Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spin-off of your favorite childhood series? Then we have a podcast for you. Hello everyone, I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Dead of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. Which is rated explicit for language and adult sensation. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Without further ado, here's our recap of last week's chapter of The Dead of Time. Alright, Kat, give us a recap. You know what? Last, last week was a big episode. Yeah, well... I know people like it that I don't know things, and, like, I get it, but it's also making me feel a little bit bad. But then again, since we do these things so far apart, like, I literally cannot remember. So I'm not, like, the ditzy person that they think I am. Plus, I have a lot of other things in my mind, people, so... She hates our podcast and she won't listen to it, guys. That's the issue. I don't listen to it because I don't like hearing my own voice. Anyway. um, I don't know. You tell them what happened. I'm not in the mood. Oh, snogging. (laughs) Yes, snogging. So we started out with Hermione unconscious. Sirius did CPR. Brought her back. And then they started kissing and you were crying because you thought it was really beautiful how he was like, my soul needs her and my magic needs her. And you got all mopey and it was great. Um, So anyway, they make out. Voldemort does his announcement. um, So they leave and they find Harry and Draco outside the room of requirement. (sighs) And they've destroyed the diadem. And then they meet back up with Ron and they all kind of argue because Harry wants to go down to the Shrieking Shack to try and kill the snake and Voldemort in one fell swoop. And what are you looking at? Your face. What? It, it looks terrible. I'm hungover and my face is puffy. I look like crap. I'm aware of this. I did say that you did. I know. You didn't need to say it. I can see it. It's awful. I will. There's also a bottle of rum sitting on my desk, so I may just drink that. But Oh, your present will be there on Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. Oh, shit. I need to send your presents. Yay! Black pearl on it? No, it says Kraken. Black Spice Rum. Oh. Well, I was close. Uh is for another podcast but anyway um i was drinking butt cracks it was great it's butter shots and crack and rum with coke so it's called a butt crack because it's butter shots and crack and rum butt crack okay it's really good anyway um so they meet up with harry and draco and then they run into ron and then everybody argues and Draco takes over and hold on, my husband's calling me. Bitch, I told you I was recording a podcast. 
I will do that. As soon as my podcast is over, because we're already mid-recording. I will set a reminder. Love you. Mean it. Bye. He sounds mad. No, I just forgot to do something. He's like, do it before you start your podcast. Joke's on him. We're already in it. Ah. Also, sorry, HB, for having to edit, like, the longest recap ever. So, uh, Harry wants to go down to the Shrieking Shack to take out the snake and Voldemort. And uh, Draco and Hermione are going to pull rear and, like, cover him. And I think the last thing we saw was Harry slipping into the um, tunnel underneath the Wampum Willow. Yes. Uh, so that is what... And then Voldemort does the announcement about um, telling Harry to face him on his own to stop people from dying. So that's where we ended. Are you excited? This is the penultimate episode of season one. English. This is the second to last episode of season one. <laughs> oh, snap-a-doos. Snap-a-doos. You ready? Okay. Hey, right. I don't have to be ready for anything. You're the one who has to do the majority of the work. I just sit here and say funny crap. That is true. That is literally what you do i am i am chrissy teigen in drop the in, um lip sync battle i am the colorful commentator yes yes you are also just to remind you in case you didn't see in the facebook group some people said they really liked my voice acting and somebody else said my voice was butter so get wrecked it is not butter today today it is overused car oil and briny water and vinegar but yeah normally I, I did see that but they still like me better shut the fuck up <laughs> well someone i know said that that's not the way they imagined your voice to be so who doesn't know what my voice oh audrey yeah because she's never met you and she's like she's this tiny little thing and i expected her to have like a squeaky voice but it's deeper than i thought <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said Anyway. Oh my god. <clears throat> Chapter 13. This is my job. May 2nd, 1998. The entire room fell silent when Harry and Sirius entered the Great Hall. The large room had been set up as a temporary medical treatment center. You're going to make me dizzy if you keep moving. <laughs> I'm literally going to get seasick watching you. <laughs> I didn't think you could see me. <laughs> You're looking right at me. Of course I can see you. No, that's not what I meant in the sense of seeing. You're dumb. I want my present back. Even though what? one of them I have a matching one, I want it back. Mm, fine, I won't send you your presents. Don't do that. It's unbecoming. In the words of Bert. She's talking about my face, not me not sending her pictures. I make ugly faces, and it's fine. Oh my god. This is going to be the longest chapter ever, guys. I've never recorded Hungover. It's terrible. Right. Colored banners. I thought it said colored bananas. Okay. 
The large room had been set up as a temporary medical treatment center. House tables were pushed together and the colored banners that used to run the length of the room were tossed aside or cut up for bandages. <laughs> no longer did these banners symbolize the separation of houses, but instead the unity of the students, professors, and adults in the battle against, the, uh, against Voldemort. The uninjured huddled together, providing support to one another, while the injured queued around the head table, waiting to be examined by Madame Pomfrey and her aides. Along the south wall, Draco was guarding a few captured Death Eaters, ensuring their bindings were tight and that they remained unconscious and wandless. Without any remorse in his eyes, he moved to snap each of their wands. If they made it to trial and were found innocent, which was highly unlikely, they could always purchase new ones. Fred Weasley was brought into the Great Hall with great bleeding gouges across his face. What happened to Fred in the movies? His ear. No, it's George. Well, they look the same. Yes. What happened to Fred? Not all. Yeah, Fred died in the movies. Really? Yeah. How did I miss that? I thought he I only died in the book. No, he died in both. Really? <laughs> mm-hmm. I just watched that. Wow, okay. And this is why people make fun of you for being ditzy. You're like, I know stuff. I've seen the movies. And then I say something that happens in the movies. You're like, that happened? <laughs> I love you. Muggle, I'm getting a PhD. Y'all can go wand yourselves. <laughs> uh, while his poor mother paled at his appearance, Fred appeared to be in high spirits, gladly telling George at his side that he now resembled Bill more than his own twin. Fleur took Molly's arm and followed behind the levitating stretcher as it carried Fred into the private area where modern, modern, Jesus, Madame Pomfrey was waiting. Hermione was tending to the wounded with Luna and Ginny. The redhead sat behind, beside a boy at the Ravenclaw table. He looked dazed as she splinted his broken arm. Next to him, and squeezing his hand in pain, was Dean Thomas, who Sirius remembered from their stay at Shell Cottage. He was being tended to by Luna, who carefully wrapped a large cut on his calf. Before Hermione had a chance to take a breath at the sight of Sirius standing in the entrance, Jenny rushed towards Harry, wrapping her arms tightly around him and squeezing as though he would disappear if she let him go. Sirius caught Hermione's gaze and they shared a sad little smile at the sight. He noted her stance, nervous, clenching her hands together at the sight of him. Without further hesitation, he walked to her, enveloping her in his arms and breathing up, enveloping her in his arms and breathing out a deep sigh of relief. What happened? Oh, sorry. What happened? Snape's dead, he replied, trying not to let his emotional turmoil show. He still did not quite understand how he felt about the demise of his longtime nemesis. It was not more than a day ago that he had wanted to end the man's life personally, but watching as Voldemort cornered the bloke and very nearly fed him to his giant snake was nothing short of horrifying. <laughs> You're a disgusting creature. Uh, giant snake. Sirius could not help but think of Lily and wonder what she would have thought about her childhood friend's ultimate demise. Absolutely no response to that. I say something what, and she just... What? The gi I was responding to the giant snake, you fucking pervert. 
Yeah, I know that. But then I said something after that, and you didn't hear me, so you just... No, I didn't hear you. What'd you say? I said I missed that. I think you're still <laughs> scratching the labels off of beer bottles. Hey, that's all the in Urban Dictionary terms. <sighs> so, Harry Potter. <laughs> Hold on a sec. I have to turn on the heater, or turn off the heater. Jimmy's yelling at me. Wanker. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the new peace on earth and something, something. I don't know the words to this Christmas song. I knew you were singing Christmas songs before I even put the ears back in. Snape's dead. Uh. Yeah. How? Hermione wondered aloud. Nagini, Sirius said. Muggle, did you read that whole paragraph above that? Yeah, the bit about... Oh, yeah, because that says giant snake in it. Sorry, my bad. God, you're the worst. You're the worst. Mom's the, no, your mom's actually pretty great. Your mom likes me more. She likes everybody more. She even likes Brianna more than me now. <laughs> that is impressive. How? Hermione wondered aloud. Nagini, Sirius said. We went in after Voldemort left. Nothing could be done. Snape said that Harry has to go to view the memories he gave him. No clue what's been sitting in that git's head all these years. He scowled, sighing as Hermione frowned at him. Ignoring her reproachful stare, he tucked a loose curl behind her ear. Yeah, yeah, don't talk ill about the dead. Are you all right here? She looked down at her hands and leaned into his touch. We've just been treating the wounded. Percy and Neville are outside fetching the, the bodies. Sirius only nodded. I'm going up with Harry into the Pensieve. I'll come too. Hermione made a Pensieve, move. Pensieve, really? What? Pensieve? Yeah. Isn't it pensive? The word is pensive, but a pensive is a mix between pensive and a sieve. It is sieving the things you are pensive about, so it is a pensive. Okay. The more you know. <laughs> I'll come too, Hermione made to move, but Sirius stopped her. No, you stay here. You're useful here. Remus and Tonks both told me that you're brilliant with healing spells. He smiled proudly, as if you'd be anything else. His smile widened when he watched Hermione blush at his praise. We shouldn't be long. Nothing dangerous up there except the past, right? Keep an eye on him, Hermione cautioned Sirius. She glanced at Harry, who had already made a beeline for the headmaster's office, turning back to wait for Sirius. He has a bad habit of trying to save everyone, at risk to himself. I will, love. Sirius kissed her forehead quickly, before following after his godson. The truth was, Sirius was not certain what he and Harry were going to find in Snape's memories, and, if the greasy git had included certain ones, it was dangerous for Harry to see them, let alone Hermione. 
Sirius was only accompanying Harry in order to preserve the past, or future, as it were. Password, the stone gargoyle asked as they approached. Dumbledore, Sirius muttered, and Harry turned around to look at his godfather with wide eyes. I know, twisted. Harry glanced hopelessly up at Dumbledore's deserted frame, which hung directly behind the headmaster's chair, then turned his back on it. The stone pensive was in a cabinet, and Harry seemed to know exactly how to access it. He heaved it onto the desk and poured the memories into the wide basin with its runic markings around the edge. One right after the other, they descended into Snape's memories, feeling overly anxious about what they were about to witness. They fell headlong into sunlight, their feet landing on the warm ground. When Sirius straightened up, he saw that he was in a nearly deserted playground, a single huge chimney dominating the distant skyline. Two girls swung back and forward, and a skinny boy watched them from behind a clump of bushes. His black hair was long, and his clothes were so mismatched that it looked deliberate. Two short jeans, a shabby, overly large coat that may have belonged to a grown man, an odd, smock-like shirt. And on tonight's dateline... <laughs> Snape? Harry cocked a brow. Sirius inclined his head, staring at the familiar face from his past. It was hard to hate the man in that moment, looking at him as a child. Sirius, too, had only been a child when their rivalry began. He felt little remorse thinking back on his actions, save for a few that he certainly deserved to be guilty about. But looking at the child, Snape, with Sirius's adult eyes, he could not help but feel pity for the boy. Harry moved closer to Snape. There was an undisguised greed on the boy's thin face as he watched the younger of the two girls swinging higher and higher than her sister. Mum, Harry whispered, and Sirius frowned, putting a hand on his shoulder. Lily, don't do it, the elder of the two girls shrieked, but Lily let go of the swing at the very height of its arc and flew into the air, quite literally flew, launching herself skyward with a great shout of laughter that brought tears to Sirius's eyes. Instead of crumpling on the playground asphalt, Lily soared like a trapeze artist through the air, staying up far too long and landing far too lightly. They continued watching the memory play out. Sirius forcing himself not to look at Snape, interacting with the young Lily. Despite the pity he felt for the boy, Sirius still remembered the man who did not deserve to know Lily, not after what he had called her, not after joining Voldemort. Sirius could not force himself to acknowledge that this small child was the cause of so much hurt to a girl he had thought of as family. Does it make a difference, being muggle-born? Lily asked. Snape visibly hesitated. No, it doesn't make any difference. Good, Lily said, relaxing. Fucking hypocrite, Sirius snapped, turning away from the scene. Sirius, stop, Harry scolded him. For once, Sirius listened. As the scene reformed, Sirius looked round. They were on platform nine and three quarters. Snape stood, slightly hunched, next to a thin, sallow-faced, sour-looking woman who greatly resembled him. Snape was staring at a family of four a short distance away, two girls slightly apart from their parents. Lily appeared to be pleading with her sister. I'm not a freak, Lily said. That's a horrible thing to say. 
that's where you're going, Petunia said with relish. A special school for freaks. You and that snake boy. Weirdos. That's what you two are. It's good you're being separated from normal people. It's for our safety. Muggle, you just jealous because you can't do magic. Yup. Before Sirius could look around the platform in search of other faces from the past, the scene changed again. This is it. Okay. This is it. We're off to Hogwarts, Snape said brightly, trying to cheer Lily up as they took their seats in an empty compartment. Sirius grinned at the sight of himself and a young James Potter entering the same compartment. Ah, now look at these handsome faces. You'd better be in Slytherin, Snape said. Slytherin, James said. Who wants to be in Slytherin? I think I'd leave, wouldn't you? My whole family's been in Slytherin, the younger Sirius said. Blimey, James said, and I thought you seemed all right. Young Sirius grinned. The older Sirius let out a barking laugh. Maybe I'll break tradition. Where are you heading, if you've got the choice? James lifted an invisible sword. Gryffindor, where dwell the brave at heart, like my dad. Snape made a small disparaging noise. James turned on him. Got a problem with that? No, Snape said. I made it pretty far in this chapter before having one of those. Want a biscuit? Yeah. And I meant that in the British sense of biscuit, not the American <laughs> sense of biscuit. I was watching yeah. the Great British British Bake Off last night. Yes. They got Christmas episodes on Netflix. I know. I love them. Also, those snow globe cakes look amazing. Yeah, right. Um. No, Snape said, though his slight sneer told otherwise. If you'd rather be brawny than brainy. Where are you hoping to go, seeing as you're neither? Young Sirius interjected. James roared with laughter. Lily sat up, rather flushed, looked from James to Sirius in dislike. Come on, Severus, let's find another compartment. Ooh. James and Sirius imitated her lofty voice. James tried to rip, uh, trip Snape as he passed. See you, Snivellus. See? Sirius pointed out as the memory followed Snape and Lily out of the compartment. He's always been a git. Sirius's scowl vanished as he looked up, eyes wide. The image ahead of them stunned him into silence. Instinctively, he turned Harry by the shoulders. Are you sure you want to see the rest of this? We don't know what he was planning when he uh, wanted you to see this, Harry. Th it was a distraction. Simple as that. Harry's green eyes focused on him, while behind him the scene played out, uh, played on in Sirius's view. Move, Snape shouted, pushing his way past a short, bushy-haired girl who fell into a lanky, pale-looking boy. Lily, following swiftly behind him, called out his name. Sev, wait up! I'm fine, Sirius, Harry said, brushing off his grip and turning in the direction that Snape and Lily had gone. Though the memory followed Snape, Sirius could hear a familiar voice calling out behind them from the open compartment door. Jamie, what did you do? Thankfully, the scene dissolved again. Harry and Sirius were standing right behind Snape as they faced the candlelit house tables, lined with rapt faces. Evans? Lily? The little redhead walked forward on trembling legs and sat down on the rickety stool. 
Professor McGonagall dropped the sorting hat onto her head, and barely a second after it had touched her dark red hair, the hat cried, Gryffindor! <laughs> there it is. <laughs> the face you make while you say that is like... Okay, so making voices is not something that occurs in your mouth. Like, when I do Draco, I'm only speaking out of the left side of my mouth. When I'm doing Ron, I'm only talking out of the right side of my mouth. It's, you have to, like, I can't not make faces. Are you trying to be the incarnation of Robin Williams or something? Hello! Hello! One lump or two. There's another one. Sorry. God, that both looks delicious and disgusting because it's dripping off of his face. And sold on eBay. <laughs> yeah. And is now melted. <laughs> Snape let out a tiny groan. Lily took off the hat, handed it back to Professor McGonagall, then hurried towards the cheering Gryffindors. As she walked, she glanced back at Snape, and there was a sad little smile on her face. Young Sirius moved up the bench to make room for her. She took one look at him, clearly recognizing him from the train, folded her arms, and firmly turned her back on him. Harry moved through the memory, drawn to his mother's small figure as the Gryffindor table, which was perfectly fine in Sirius's attention, uh, which was perfectly fine as Sirius's attention was drawn elsewhere. James stood side by side with the familiar bushy-haired girl, Snape eavesdropping behind them. Care to wager how long it takes the hat to stick me in Gryffindor? The girl laughed sweetly. Something tells me it'll be instantaneous. Sirius's heart clenched, but he fought to keep his expression impassive, just in case Harry looked back around. James grinned smugly. Bloody right. Professor McGonagall called James's name and the boy moved towards the stool. The hat barely touched his head before it yelled out, Gryffindor! And James grinned. Harry Wait a second. What? They're looking into Snape's memories. Yes, from when he was a yeah. kid. Uh -huh. So the part where it says that about Sirius and uh, in case Harry looked back around, is that because he's watching the memories with him? Or did they, Snape, somehow alter his memories because he knew that Harry was going to watch them and he didn't want to see certain parts? No, um, Sirius is in the memories with him and Sirius is trying to prevent him from seeing certain memories. Snape wanted him to see all the memories. Snape is trying to adjust what Harry can see. Oh, because for a second there, I thought he, like, adjusted them back then. And I was like, how would he know that he's going to see this? He doesn't even exist. Yeah. Um, so also, Harry made his way back to Sirius's side. is a creepy little dude. Well, he's a kid, and his best friend just went to Gryffindor. He's a creepy little dude. I can't see your face. Move. I need to be able to judge your... <laughs> I still can't see your face. Get back in the center. Why do you have an army man? Because you're my army man. <laughs> 25 years and the snorts still aren't old. Uh, do, 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 do. 
Harry made his way back to Sirius's side, while Sirius blocked his view yet again. Of course, Snape said. There's nothing wrong with Gryffindor, Snape scowled. Says another future little lion. Sirius did his best to distract Harry once more by pointing at the Gryffindor table, where James had joined Sirius and Remus. Can you believe how young we were? He chuckled as the scene played out on behind him. You were friends right from the start, Harry smiled, ignoring Sirius's strange behavior, likely assuming it was painful for him to relive the past just like this. Just like me, Ron and Hermione. Oh, crap, I read that wrong. Don't nod at me. You can't read because you've got learning disabilities. I can't read because I have traumatic brain injury. I can read. And at least I don't miss words. You just inject words that aren't there. Yeah, because it makes the sentence better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fixing it. You were friends right from the start, Harry smiled, ignoring Sirius's strange behavior, likely assuming it was painful for him to relive the past like this. Just like me, Ron, and Hermione. Just like you three. Yeah. He nudged Harry's shoulder, moving the boy along, sidestepping away from his past self as another Gryffindor joined the table. Sirius's eyes flickered back to her once more before turning ahead uh, again to watch the rest of the sorting take place. Snape eventually being put in Slytherin. And the scene changed. Lily and Snape were walking across the castle courtyard, evidently arguing. Harry hurried to catch up with them, listening in. As he and Sirius reached them, Sirius realized how much taller they both were. A few years appeared to have passed since the sorting. What about all the stuff Potter and his mates get up to? Snape demanded. His color rose again as he said it, unable, it appeared, to hold in his resentment. What's Potter got to do with anything? Lily questioned. They sneak out at night. There's something weird about that Lupin. Where does he keep going? He's ill, Lily said. They say he's ill. Every month at the full moon, Snape challenged. I know your theory, Lily sounded cold. Why are you so obsessed with them anyway? What do you care what they're doing at night? I'm just trying to show you that they're not as wonderful as everyone seems to think they are. They don't use dark magic, though, she dropped her voice. And you're being really ungrateful. I heard what happened the other night. You went sneaking down to that tunnel by the Whomping Willow and James Potter saved you from whatever's down there. Snape's whole face contorted and sputtered. Saved! Saved! You think he was playing the hero? He was just saving his friend's neck. You know that Black tricked me into going down there, all because he was stupid enough to think that I had a personal grudge against his little girlfriend. Don't you? Lily asked. Harry turned and stared at his godfather. I... Sirius started, but stopped as he turned to Harry, a feeling of pure shame bubbling up from inside of him. There's not exactly much I can say for myself, except I was young, impulsive, and I thought he deserved it. Harry shook his head. You could have killed him. Yeah, Sirius confirmed. Believe me, I was properly scolded by my friends for it, too. All over a girl? Harry asked with a raised brow. Not just any girl, Sirius whispered as the scene changed around them. The surroundings solidified again and they stood on a hilltop, forlorn and cold in the darkness, wind whistling through the branches of few leafless trees. An adult Snape was panting, turning on the spot, his wand gripped tightly in his hand, waiting for something or someone. 
He said nothing. Instead, he merely looked up at Dumbledore. Hide them all, then. Keep her, them, safe. And what will you give me in return, Severus? In, in return? Snape gaped Dumbledore. After a long moment, he said, Anything. Sirius, did you know about this? Harry questioned. Sirius only shook his head. No? At that point, it had been so long since they had seen Snape. They knew, of course, that he was a Death Eater. Everyone knew back then. At that point in the war, there was little to do with hiding behind masks. Voldemort was on the rise, and they expected a victory. Why would they need to hide? But Sirius never knew that Snape had pleaded for protection for Lily, James, and Harry. Only that Dumbledore insisted he was a spy on their side. The hilltop faded. They stood in Dumbledore's office, and something was making a terrible sound like a wounded animal. Snape was slumped forward in a chair, and Dumbledore was standing over him looking grim. Her boy survives, Dumbledore said. Her son lives. He has her eyes, precisely her eyes. You remember the shape and color of Lily Evans' eyes, I'm sure. Don't, Snape bellowed. Gone, dead. Is this remorse, Severus? I wish... I wish I were dead. And what use would that be to anyone? Dumbledore coldly asked. If you loved Lily Evans, if you truly loved her, then her your way forward is clear. He loved my mother? Harry whispered. This whole time, Snape loved my mother? He stared at the scene, watching his former professor, a man he had watched die not an hour ago, fall to his knees in grief-stricken sobs over the death of his mother. Sirius turned away, unable to watch. He knew those sobs. They were all too familiar to him. Losing the woman you love was a pain unlike any other. Very well, very well, but never, never tell Dumbledore. This must be between us. Swear it, I cannot bear. Especially Potter's son. I want your word. My word, Severus, that I shall never reveal the best of you. Dumbledore sighed, looking down into Snape's ferocious, anguished face. If you insist. The office dissolved, but reformed instantly. Snape was pacing up and down in front of Dumbledore. Mediocre! Arrogant as his father, a determined rule-breaker, delighted to find himself famous, attention-seeking, and impertinent. You potters sure do know how to leave an impression, Sirius sighed raking his hands through his hair. This trip down memory lane, and not his own, was becoming more and more worrisome. Why did Snape need Harry to see all of this? To rub it in his face that he loved Lily first? One last moment to take a shot at Harry and James? You see what others expect to see, Severus. Or, sorry. You see what you expect to see, Severus, Dumbledore said, without raising his eyes. Other teachers report that the boy is modest, likable, and reasonably talented. Personally, I find him an engaging child. The scene changed once more, and they stood again in Dumbledore's office. Sirius and Harry watched carefully as Snape hovered over Dumbledore, staring at the blackened hand of the, of the old headmaster. You have done very well, Severus. How long do you think I have? Snape hesitated and then answered, 
I cannot tell. Maybe a year. There is no halting such a spell forever. It will spread eventually. It is the sort of curse that strengthens over time. Harry openly gaped at the scene. He was already dying. Sirius put a comforting hand on his shoulder. The Dark Lord does not expect Draco to succeed. This is merely punishment for Lucius's recent failures. Slow torture for Draco's parents while they watch him fail and pay the price. In short, the boy has had a death sentence pronounced upon him as surely as I have, Dumbledore said. Now, I should have thought the natural successor to the job once Draco fails is you. There was a short pause. That? Yourself. Huh? It what did I say? Yourself. Oh. You. Is yourself? <laughs> there was a short pause. That, I think, is the Dark Lord's plan. The boy must fulfill his mission, Dumbledore spoke, and Snape turned and scowled at him. You would have a mere child throw away his life, Snape narrowed his eyes. After all he's risked so far, the marking ceremony nearly killed him. I would have young Draco fulfill nearly his entire mission. Dumbledore clarified. I would not have the boy's soul ripped apart on my account. You must be the one to kill me. Malfoy was telling the truth, Harry shouted. And my soul, Dumbledore, mine? You alone know whether it will harm your soul to help an old man avoid pain and humiliation, Dumbledore said. I ask this one great favor of you, Severus, because death is coming for me, as surely as the Chudley Cannons will finish at the bottom of this year's league. I confess, I should prefer a quick, painless exit to the protracted and messy affair it will be, for instance, if Greyback is involved. I hear Dum Voldemort has recruited him, or dear Bellatrix, who likes to play with her food before she eats it. Sirius audibly snarled at the mention of Greyback and his dead cousin. At last, Snape gave another curt nod. Dumbledore looked satisfied. Thank you, Severus. The office disappeared, and now Snape and Dumbledore were strolling together in a deserted castle grounds by twilight. Now listen closely, Severus. There will come a time after my death. Do not argue. Do not interrupt. There will come a time when Lord Voldemort will seem to fear for the life of his snake. For Nagini, Snape looked astonished. Harry, Sirius called Harry to attention. This was what Snape had been referring to, after all, when he had given the boy his memories. Something about the bloody snake. He listened closely, watching the two men carefully, as if looking for a subtle clues that they were hiding anything else. How had he not known the reason Snape turned against the Death Eaters? He'd spent months around the table at Grimmauld Place, staring into Snape's face while listening to the reports, all while wondering what on earth could have brought him here to begin with. Was it so easy to think that Snape could have loved her, really loved her? Tell him on the night that Lord Voldemort tried to kill him, when Lily cast her own life between them as a shield, the killing curse rebounded upon Lord Voldemort, and a fragment of Voldemort's soul was blasted apart from the hole and latched itself on to the only living soul left in that collapsed building. 
part of Lord Voldemort lives inside of Harry. And it is what... I knew it. They explain this in the movies, too. Yes, I know. I'm just saying. I knew it. (laughs) Part of Lord Voldemort lives inside Harry. And it is that which gives him the power to speak to snakes in a connection with Lord Voldemort's mind that he has never understood. And while the fragment of soul, unmissed by Voldemort, remains attached to and protected by Harry, Lord Voldemort cannot die. So the boy... The boy must die? Snape asked, quite calmly. And Voldemort himself must do it, Severus. That is essential. Bullshit! Sirius shouted. We're done with this, Harry. He growled and moved to raise his wand to bring him out of the pensieve, but Harry pulled away from him. Harry, I will not put your life at risk over the assumptions of a crazy old man and a so-called reformed Death Eater. I won't. It's not your choice, Sirius. I'm not letting anyone else die for me. No one else is going to die for you. My parents did. You did. And I'm still here, and I'm doing my job for once, James. Just as Sirius caught his mistake, Harry caught it too. Sirius took in a long, deep breath to calm himself, resting a hand on Harry's shoulders. I'm supposed to look after you, Harry, he said clearly. Keep you safe. I promised your parents. I promised... I promised to keep you safe. The scene, meanwhile, played on. Expecto Patronum. From the tip of Snape's wand burst the silver dough. She landed on the office floor and bounded once across the office and soared out the window. Dumbledore watched her fly away, and as her silvery glow faded, he turned back to Snape, his eyes full of tears. Sirius couldn't look at it. He had known Snape's Patronus, and he had always been a little suspicious, but his belief that the Death Eaters could not possibly love kept the truth far from him. However, seeing this, seeing that silver doe right in front of him, After all this time? Always, Snape said. I knew it. Sorry, I almost said that like way up there, but I was like, no, it's coming. It's coming. Unable to witness any more, Harry and Sirius rose up out of the pensive. That's a face. You look like you're about to rivet. Hey, that's funny because I was about to say that was my riveting <laughs> face. Uh. Unable to witness any more, Harry and Sirius rose up out of the pensive. Moments later, they were lying on the carpeted floor in exactly the same room. Snape might have just closed the door. Sirius shook his head. I don't know what to tell you, Harry. Snape loved my mother, Harry mumbled. Do you think if he'd never called her a... No. No, she would have ended up with James no matter what, Sirius said, with as much emphasis and passion as a man defending his faith to an unbeliever. Lily loved James, and James worshipped Lily. Sirius held his head in his hands. The visions of the past had not all been pleasant ones. One day, I'll take you back through my memories, and you can see. You can see how they were with each other. You can see everything. I'll tell you everything. I'm sorry, Sirius, Harry muttered softly. Sirius frowned. You've got nothing to be sorry for, Harry. Petrificus totalis! Eyes wide as the spell hit him in the chest, knocking him backward and binding his body tightly. 
Sirius's gaze followed Harry as he frowned down from above him. Thank you for everything, Sirius said, er, Harry said clearly. I caught myself. You I caught myself. I said Sirius instead of Harry. Oh, I thought you said you cut yourself. I was like, that's a weird reaction to that because that hurts. No, I did not cut myself. Okay. Stay away from the edges yeah. of paper. Thank you for everything, Harry said clearly. You're the only father I've ever known, and you've done a good job with what you've been given. Take care of Hermione for me. Take care of everyone. He brought himself to a knee beside Sirius's frozen body and placed a hand on his shoulder. This is my job, Sirius. Our job, Sirius thought angrily as Harry walked out the door. You had one job. job. (laughs) But this isn't one of our funnier episodes just because it is super fucking heavy. But what do you think? I think that's intense. Did anything jump out at you from the early Hogwarts scenes of Snape's memories? What early scenes of Snape? Uh, The scene on the train, the sorting hat. It seems like he... Is a little bit creepy because, like, he watches them swinging behind bushes. Like, come on, man. Yes, Snape is creepy, but that's not what I'm talking about. Sirius is clearly trying to block Harry from seeing something. Yeah, I got that. You have, but I thought it was the part in the in the movie that they showed when they were bullying Snape, and I didn't think that he wanted Harry to see his dad be no, mean. No, 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 no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it real quick just to see if you pick up on... So... See you, Snivellus. See? Sirius pointed out as the memory followed Snape and Lily out of the compartment. He's always been a kid. Sirius's scowl vanished as he looked up, eyes wide. The image ahead of them stunned him into silence. Instinctively, he turned Harry by the shoulders. Are you sure you want to see the rest of this? We don't know what he was planning when he wanted you to see this, Harry. It was a distraction. Simple as that. Harry's green eyes focused on him while behind him the scene played out in Sirius's view. Move, Snape shouted, pushing his way past a short, bushy-haired girl who fell into a lanky, pale-looking boy. Who do those sound like? Do you have any guesses as to who those people are? Well, the girl sounds like Hermione. The lanky, pale-looking boy? This is probably wrong. Remus. It's Remus. This is when Harry... Hagrid, Jesus, fuck. This is when Sirius and all of the Marauders are going to Hogwarts for their first year. So clearly it's not Ron and Hermione. Because they're not alive yet. Because this is their parents' first year at Hogwarts. Well, I'm sorry, but if people can be brought back from the dead, what the crap do I know? I don't know. I don't know what I've been told. Alright, um... Yeah, so... We have one more episode till we're done with season. So I don't get to know who it is. No, you'll find out. In se- oh, also, I totally thought you were going to learn at the end of season one. And I read ahead and you don't find out until the beginning of season two. <laughs> so you got to wait a while. But we've said this in our last episode. We're going to say it again. 
as soon as we are done filming season one, we are going to take a two-week break to try and build up some episodes, catch up on blog posts, all those kinds of things. Um, if you guys... Go suck a Patronus. <laughs> I want to find out now. You will. And once we record our next episode, chapter 14... We will be scheduling and doing a Q&A between us and Shailani. And finally, finally, now I have so many questions. I also realized the other day that it might be pronounced Shailani, and I've been saying it wrong this entire season. Why don't you ask her how her name is said? I will. will. I don't know. Shailani just kind of like rolls off the tongue, but it could be Shia. Like when I just... When I say Shayalani, it's Shaya, but when I say just her name, it's usually Shaya, and I'm like, well, fuck. Which one is it? These are the things that keep me up at night. That's sad. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> but I am super excited That's... to get deeper into this story with you and for you to figure out who the little girl is because she plays a major role in Sirius's life. So. Okay. Yeah. But anywho, that is our chapter. Do you have any predictions, any ideas for what's going to happen next? Of course I don't. I haven't figured this out. Beautiful. It's what I love to hear. <sighs> I like the sound of rain. Is it raining? No, but you said that's what you like to hear. And I said, well, I like the sound of rain. I thought we were saying what we like to hear. God, I appreciate you. All right. I make life fun. You do. You do. Not recently, but normally I make life fun. All right. Well, it is time to thank our Patreons. Uh, December has charged people, which means we have newly added peeps to thank for becoming patrons and they ain't peeps we've got it's not easter easter they what do they what do they say they want to be called fire whiskers our beloved fire whiskers yay so because somebody called us out for not saying that they did i saw that i'm glad you remembered because i forgot um so our little fire whiskers we have four new little wolfies and we have a dog, and we're super excited. So our new dog is Mina. And our four new wolfies are Elizabeth Cardinal, Daniel Stasiak, Katie, and Sarah McFarland. Thank you, everyone, for contributing to this show and allowing us to continue producing this show. Because uh, we have had to change some software around, and that gets expensive. Especially when you have to pay like 20 bucks a month for it. So... We appreciate everything you're doing. Um, And now we'd also like to thank our Fox producer-level supporters. We'd like to thank Krista, Carissa Horton, Ryder, Kelsey Melillo, Laura Rivers, Brittany Lopez, Claire Luciano, Jillian Folds, Ashley Enstrom, Elise Wolfson, Martina, Miranda Eskew, and Sophie Segator. Kat, stop sticking your tongue out at me. Grow up. Says the person who thinks farts are funny. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, Clay Luciano, I love your name. That is amazing. Yeah, she's great. 
It's like Francisco. That's a fun name to say. Claire Luciano. That's a fun name to say. <laughs> Sorry, it really it is. is. I'm friends with her on Facebook now, and every time I see her name, I'm like, "You are amazing. I love your name." Uh, All right, so this episode is going to go live on Friday the th- <gasps> chapter thirteen is going live on Friday the thirteenth. That's so cool. Awesome. I'll be at CPR, saving one life at a time. Boop. And that means the last episode of season one will go on December 20th, and then we will take two weeks off, and we will restart on January 10th. So, Well, I go back to school on the 13th. Perfect. Well, everyone, we hope you've enjoyed this edition of Fire Whiskey Friday, and we will see you next week. Happy almost Christmas. Muggle, we don't do the exit anymore. Nope, it's pre-recorded. Oh, and it's happy Christmas. Oh, yes. Happy Christmas. And happy Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and whatever other holidays you celebrate. And Festivus, because Seinfeld fans out there got to celebrate Festivus. Feliz Navidad. Right. And as they say in France, happy Christmas Eve Eve. I don't think they say that. Yes, they do. I don't think they say that. Phoebe. Phoebe. Jesus. Go back and watch it. Don't Ross me. I'll do what I want. How you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Which came first, Joey or Wendy Williams? Well, I'm going to go continue dying from my hangover. I hope you all appreciate my service because I feel like I'm half dead. Okay. I have to pee. You always have to pee at the end of the show. I know, I have a tiny bladder. It's not my fault I have a white set vagina and a heavy flow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, for those of you who haven't seen Mean Girls, fix yourself. All right. Get in, Muggles, we're going shopping. It's okay, I'm not like regular moms. I'm a cool mom. I want my pink shirt back. So fetch. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. A special thank you to Shay Alani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episode. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And our website, fwhpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday. are really long are you still recording oh, yeah. this because i don't think anybody gives a crap that your nails yeah, are no, we're totally still recording like i'm freddie mercury <gasps> mama just killed a man
And people liked our song, our wizard song. I know, that's exciting, because we are the wizards, my friend. Oh, Keep on to the end. Somebody wants to make it their ringtone. I mean, I think you and I should definitely record that. Well, if Paris Hilton can have a singing career, why can't we? <laughs> you can make a song for Snape. Mama killed Dumbledore, put my wand against his head, said Avada, now he's dead. Mama, he was headmaster, and now the job has come on down to me. That's actually really good for just coming out of my head. <laughs> I just made that up right here. Stop blinking at me. I was kind of proud about that. I'm proud of you, too. Thank you. As if you live in Nashville, you could just go get a guitar and stand on the street corner like everybody else. Dude, no. No, Nashville is, like, the hardest place to do that. Because if you are not, like, Tim McGraw. I didn't say these people made it. I'm just saying they do it because they think they can But, yeah, no, like, if you're not really good, other street performers will, like, beat you. (laughs) Hey, you know what you should do? Because you love me, you should send me some peanut butter goo goo clusters. Because those things are hard to find, and that's the only place you can get them. I will try to remember to hit goo goo next week when I'm at work. Because when I was at your wedding, I bought a whole box and I brought that home, and they did not melt. And Brianna's like, they're going to melt. And I said, no, they are not. And they did it. And oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, I love the peanut butter ones. They're like unicorns. You can't get them. You can't. I've tweeted them, and they won't give them to me. (laughs) If we get big and they sponsor our podcast, they better send me a lifetime supply of peanut butter ones. So if anybody is listening in Nashville and happens to work with Goo Goo, please let them know that Kat loves the peanut butter clusters and to send them to us. Well, to me, not to you. Rude. Because you live there and you can buy them, but I can't. Ooh, I should go to Trader Joe's on Monday. Cruciferous crunch, cookie butter. Mm. We're still recording. I have to bake. <laughs> yep. You have to what now? I have to bake uh, gluten-free Christmas cookies. Mine just cut them out of cardboard. I... It's the same thing. <laughs> rude (laughs) my dad's making me make cookies for his staff and one of them has a gluten sensitivity do you have to fart no but i really gotta pee okay i do too actually bye okay have a magical day a magical day and if it's not magical then do something about that like watch harry potter again oh like what i was using you bought me this Oh, and look, it's got little stags on it. Reindeer? Yeah, same thing. They're just deer, people. Texas A&M said they're just deer, okay? <sighs> Bye. Bye. Oh, God, I thought you were about to hug the computer. I got so excited. <laughs> Dare to be different. Oh, that's cute. And look, it I do what I want. says I do what I want. <laughs> She's got a Hello Kitty shirt on. It's really cute. 
And guess what? It's a child small. Oh. Your fitness. God. I hate you. Fitness taco in my mouth. <laughs> okay, bye. bye. I gotta pee.